0: Have you seen this award-winning Michael Mann movie? Or were you just out running circles all day? Or locked up for life in Folsom Prison? Have you seen this?
1: The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media.
0: All discussions will be spoiler heavy.
1: You have been warned. I, for one, would like to compliment ourselves for reviewing a movie that won three Emmys. <laughs> Very bold of us.
0: I mean, I felt like this one fit our criteria because, and maybe this maybe this makes me a bad film scholar, but... I had legitimately not heard about it until this year. And I think it yeah. was when I was researching. Um, oh, we were, I was researching for our Outland episode because of the High Noon connection. High Noon okay. directed by Fred Zinnemann. Fred Zinneman had a son named Tim Zinneman who produced.
1: I like him already. A
0: telefilm, a TV movie directed by Michael Mann called The Jericho Mile.
1: Yeah, and Jericho Mile is uh, is to Thief what Thief is to Heat for <laughs> you know, for for Manheads, I guess. Yeah,
0: I don't know if you guys know about this movie Heat.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> you probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> I
0: don't, I don't know if you've all already <clears throat> given Thief five stars on Letterboxed, but
1: yeah, yeah, um, it has. But it has a lot of the same. Uh, you see common threads throughout um, Michael Mann's movies. Whether it is Heat or whether it is Thief or um, or Jericho Mile. Um, what was the one that we did decide to review? Was that The Keep?
0: That was The Keep. The, kind of the uh, the <clears throat> odd one out in the man filmography. Yeah. and Which he um. doesn't like to talk about, apparently. <laughs> because um, if you guys heard the episode, you'll know. And if you haven't heard the episode, what the hell is wrong with you? Go on over to patreon.com slash have you seen this. And subscribe, throw us some chump change a month, and you'll get a buttload of bonus episodes, including our episode on Michael Mann's *The Keep*, uh, which was a movie right. that um, he actually—he basically had control of the film removed from him. He was—he uh, had a lot of different production like a problems. cancerous growth
1: <laughs> removed.
0: He had, a, yeah, a lot of different production problems. He. Couldn't cut it down from the assembly cut, which ran about three hours. And as such, it's the black sheep of the Michael Mann canon. Um, but
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an outlier. Uh, but yeah, you can find that and many more on our Patreon.
0: Patreon.com slash have you seen this?
1: Yeah, but uh, the point that I was making um, it was that there is a common thread through Michael Mann movies of, I want to say, individual resilience. It is the... Uh, it is the individual up against you know institutions up against organizations. Mm-hmm. It is basically it is one man fighting to be himself.
0: Yes, and often to the point of hard headedness, um, or
1: just like self destruction, like yeah. pathologically pathological independence, even.
0: Yes, um, and that's one of the things that I really like about the stories that Michael Mann chooses to tell because he makes these movies about flawed characters who are
1: yeah they're complex people they aren't perfect but Mm -hmm. they are relatable you understand where they're coming from what they're about yeah and that that is something that you know lately i feel is missing a lot from sort of the the zeitgeist about you know movie characters is that they all seem to be they're tending towards flawless aspirational Mm -hmm. archetypes but i mean those aren't characters those are you know those those are paper dolls basically like to to fulfill a fantasy of you know the what life maybe one one might have had, you know, had they been born in more uh, prosperous times. But but I, I uh, but I can see the point. Yeah,
0: because in lieu of actually changing our society and our institutions to make things more equitable, so that uh, more people can achieve satisfying and fulfilling lives, we would rather pretend by yeah, just equity yeah by like kind of uh, you know like tim said it's like uh it's it's paper doll play acting where uh we have these you know these aspirational characters that are supposed to make us feel good about ourselves and what we can achieve in spite of the fact that so many people are still locked away from you know not and not just self-actualization but from like you know, basic subsistence like right. health, yeah, justice, not... what have you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just even, I mean, hell, a minimum wage mm-hmm. for, for all uh, for all that matters. Yeah. And I had read somewhere, you know, a while ago that this was kind of the lowest common denominator that was affecting a lot of uh, you know, like tent pole uh, blockbuster. Let's just say Marvel movies. <coughs> in that, in international markets, particularly in China, you know, people don't, you know, audiences don't care to see. You know, someone who you know they don't want to see like a zero to hero story. They just want to see a hero to hero story, right? And that could be just sort of the you know the dumbing down of uh, you know narratives for a, a wider audience, just to be like, hey, this character is perfect, and they start out great, and they just steamroll over everyone, which you know is is not a useful narrative. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I mean, I, I that's that's beside the point. I think we're getting off topic of what. Jericho Mile is, is maybe actually about because it is a, a an individual and a character up against institutions and he has his own way of coping with that like if you were a person uh, it, it is about uh, this character of Murphy who is uh, doing a life sentence in Folsom Prison and if you want to uh, recall our uh, Circle of Iron Silent Flute episode where we get into a lot of uh, Buddhism topics that we address with all the you know, aplomb and nuance that Two idiots with a podcast can muster. Um, uh, Murphy Murphy's way of dealing with his plight is he is he doesn't have you know, any aspirations. He doesn't form any connections. He's he's disengaged with the world around him. You know, in the same way that you know, Jen, I think you had mentioned the idea of, you know behind being Zen is to not hold too strongly onto things because it is that that sense of possession, that feeling of attachment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a Buddhism podcast now by the way <laughs> apparently uh, yeah, like that that's that's what creates that's what creates a lot of uh uh strife and you know stress in in the soul, I guess. so so the central character in this Murphy or rather one of the major characters, I think is probably a more accurate way of putting it Murphy, this uh, long distance runner he he issues all that. he doesn't aspire to anything. he's like, I just go out and run every day. I come back to my cell, you know, I do some. You know, calisthenics and some resistance training. Then I go out on the yard the next day and I do it all again.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, he was doing convict conditioning before convict conditioning was even a book.
1: Yeah, yeah, the guy was on top of things, <laughs> and 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 it is great the, the way that the movie um, establishes its premise because this is something that uh, we just hit on tangentially uh, when researching our um, our our episode for the keep. Is I just put on you know Jericho Mile for you, just to just to get a sense of it, and I mean I'm riveted for the first five minutes because it is just showing this uh, synecdoche of um, of prison life. Mm-hmm. It isn't clear like you know, there isn't dialogue for most of those first five minutes. It not clear who the main character is, but you're just getting sort of a peek into all the um, daily goings on of this prison yard. And already, um, uh, Michael Mann establishes the, this motif. Um, it is a uh, a reporter for, I guess, the prison paper. Um, <clears throat> he's going around and he's talking to you know the different athletes out there. There's um, uh, there's there's the the black gang that I don't remember the name of, but you know they're doing all their their workouts and they're very meticulous about it. And the guy's establishing like you know we do you know this is our chest day, this is our leg day, and tomorrow we do this that, and they're very regimented and they're it's they're because you've of...
0: got to develop the body and you got to develop the mind
1: you got it and so, they're working yeah. on the body right
0: there's a very so... strong like uh you know like uh, and this was the 70s i believe this came out in uh 1979 um a uh, lot of delightful uh i guess what would be somewhat accurate uh prison jargon and uh mm-hmm you know, what you would call jive talk, I guess. It has that rhythm. Um, yeah. I can't say how accurate it is, um, but, you know, like...
1: Yeah, well, you should go to prison, Jen, then you'll then you know.
0: <laughs> but, you know, the, the... um And, like, I know even less about prison gangs, but, you know, you do have your... Um, you got your Mexican mafia. you got your, mm-hmm. like, militant, you know, kind of black radical gang which like there's yeah. like shades of nation of islam in there and then of course you got the fucking aryan nation the right white supremacist <laughs> shithead so yeah um
1: yeah i didn't know that nazis continue to be a thing like in the cultural zeitgeist for years and years they're pretty pernicious More me yeah
0: they're like Yeesh. cockroaches
1: right <laughs> I, you know, cockroaches have their place it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Malign the cockroach
0: Cockroach gotta uh, eat What what What's a Nazi got to do
1: Right yeah so so yeah So there's the reporter going around to You know like the, the black gang you know they're working the weights And talks to you know The Mexican mafia guys playing handball And they're like you know you gotta put down the paper Like we're number one we're the best Because of our you know our discipline and our strength Sports so, are a
0: big deal in the joint
1: yeah, yeah, that is that, that initial scene, they are establishing the you know, pride and athletic excellence in this prison. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, our main, quote unquote, main character uh of Murphy, he's just kinda in the background just doing his laps. And, you know, he, he gets, you know, a a caught, but he's all but he's only ever like shown in like a wide mm-hmm. shot. Like we don't get we don't get close to this guy. I mean, you know, we see we see TC from Magnum P.I., which, you know, <laughs> awesome. Uh, we see Brian Dennehy. Yep. I mean, he's not working out. Um, <laughs> uh, we see, Nobody gives uh, a fuck
0: if we're fat. Character actors.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, we see, um, what's his name? The guy who you'll recognize from Blazing Saddles.
0: Oh, right, yeah. You, you know, he guy. just got this look. Because I, like <laughs> I was like, wait, that guy was in fucking Blazing Saddles. Yeah, he was on um Slim Pickens' gang. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah you know he
0: he you, 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 he's some you all town don't ladies. know Camp town Ladies. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's that guy. He plays a Nazi in this. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you um, so you get to know like already these are two major characters, but Murphy, you know, he's just a guy who only seems kind of incidentally is the guy who like after they clear the yard, he's still running laps. So even though you haven't met Murphy, you kind of know what he's about.
0: Right, this is how he does his time,
1: yeah, yeah, and he does his time in that Zen way of like just really taking it day by day, and it is him uh versus uh his his friend, um styles styles, yeah, his his black friend, uh, now, and the thing is
0: is that um, and this is interesting not to well. No go ahead I'll go, go ahead and interrupt you Tim <laughs> since you said it was okay.
1: Sheesh, fine I guess.
0: <laughs> um it's interesting because it's it, uh, you you describe Murphy and Stiles as, as friends but initially you feel like these are acquaintances because Murphy is very remote. Um they have their cells are next to each other and mm-hmm. um Styles's cell is like very elaborately decorated. Um, you know, most most importantly like a picture of his of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's got a lot of stuff in there. You know, he's really he's really cheered up his like tiny ass cell. If you look at Murphy's cell, it's Spartan. It's bare. There's like yes. he's got his like his running shoes, you know, he's got his like shaving accoutrements and like nothing else because you know that's the way that he does time you know he's mm-hmm. not he's not thinking about the outside he's just like uh, you know he which yeah contrasts him somewhat with um uh james Con's character in thief who has his own little um like vision board his
1: little slice of heaven yeah. yeah yeah
0: which uh you know he's cut out pictures from magazines to kind of like visualize um the kind of life that he wants to have like you know when he kind of gets out of the game yeah, or whatever yeah and that
1: but um and that contrasts murphy with styles
0: right and like the- uh i can't remember the name of uh khan's character and in, in thief but his character is still like very similar to murphy's because you you as you get to know them you realize that these are very damaged men and i'm not saying that pejoratively i'm talking about men who have been really severely traumatized and that's why they have like such a you know such a tough shell and to get back to styles and murphy um styles is very excited that his wife just had a baby like three months ago and he's got yeah. a picture that he, you know, he's got the picture in the letter and he's going over to murphy like ah oh, you got to see this look is she beautiful or is she beautiful and at first, like, Murphy doesn't even really want to look. He's like, oh, man, I'm warming down, whatever. And it's like, because <laughs> he's... Yeah, it's
1: like, I can't be present for this. Like, I'm...
0: <laughs> yeah, he's... Yeah,
1: if you show me a picture of, of your baby, you just be like, yeah, okay, fine.
0: Yeah, he's, like, that remote. And yet, like, later in the movie, when, when we'll say pressed about it, <laughs> we do hear mm-hmm. from Murphy that he considered Styles his friend. And, in fact, yeah. such that he was... he's. Willing to do an incredibly brave and foolhardy act just for the honor right. of his friend. So yeah,
1: you know. So yeah, the the two of them are yeah two sides of you know the this this tension mm-hmm. and yeah like he may not be demonstrative, but Murphy is kind of like you know you, you get along to get along. Mm-hmm. It, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't impress or impose you know, onto his friendship with with Styles, but. You know, he kind of, he keeps, he's a quiet guy. He keeps to himself. And that's his way of of doing his time. Because he does mention, you know, doing, uh, he says, you know, I'm doing my own time. Like, he has his way of getting by in prison. And people have a lot of different ways of of going about it. Mm -hmm.
0: And Um, that's very important because, um, and this is something which we can also, this is a conclusion we can also draw from the opening scene. Um, A very important thing in this film is uh, kind of the economy that goes on in prison. Yeah,
1: cause, yeah, because all that business that, that we saw at the beginning—that is—just um, seems like idle talk mm-hmm. of you know this and that. It is you know guys trying to make pruno, but like they don't have sugar, so you know there there is prison economy business being done where it's like oh you know I know a guy who can get some sugar, but like you know the the guy from the <sighs> Mexican mafia like he doesn't mm-hmm. have any. But, you know, this is where Styles comes in, and this is where, you know, the the shift in the balance of power happens, and that, you know, and that upsets things.
0: Right, because um, there's definitely friction because, you know, obviously, like, the prison population is split along racial lines, um, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, in a lot of ways is like a kind of... um,
1: Well, it's problematic, Jen. I think we can just... (laughs)
0: you know, brothers, why can't we just rap and figure this all out, you know, get along? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Inmates and racist, tut tut.
0: <laughs> I can't believe the Aryan Brotherhood is so racist. Um,
1: right, yeah. No,
0: like, it's it's like a, a, you know, kind of like a self-preservation thing where it's like you kind of have to align with one gang or another because, you know, you you really don't want to get jumped. Um, and also, participating in these economies can also get you things um
1: yeah because it is a barter economy and it does help to have friends unless you don't want for anything like murphy does like he's kind of unique in that regard yeah and because
0: he's like um he's self-isolating as he puts it he doesn't hustle um yeah he holds himself completely apart from all of these goings on it's not in a gang. Like he just doesn't. He doesn't want to deal with with any of that. Um, yeah, and, which is
1: fine if you don't want for anything.
0: Right, and Styles, of course, is uh, somewhat obligated to play the game because um, he wants his uh, conjugal visit moved up. I think. Yeah,
1: because he. Yeah, he doesn't get to see his his wife or his baby for another three months, but. He has a lead on some sugar and he can trade that sugar to, you know, Brian Dennehy, uh, Dr. D, he can trade that to his gang in exchange for, hey, you know, maybe we swap conjugal visit dates and I get to see, you know, my old lady mm-hmm. and, you know, a- and his kid earlier because, like, he, it's driving him crazy the, uh, you know, the life out- outside, you know, the prison walls that he's not a part of. And that is something that I believe is Michael Mann, you mentioned about this is that, you know, when you're when you're on the inside, you you have the sense of this life going on without you, mm-hmm. you know, of you being absent for for like a normal life, which is opposite, you know, it's antithetical to what Murphy is is about. Murphy, like he has completely shut out that world because he knows on a life sentence, mm-hmm. like that world is is gone to him. And if we wanted to uh, draw a parallel here, here um. Uh, similar to the uh sort of conclusion of Jacob's ladder that we reviewed several dozen episodes ago um the the, the uh, sort of closing uh thesis of that movie is you know if you're if you're afraid to die, you know these are demons taunting you if you're if you've accepted your death and they're you know angels leading you to heaven mm-hmm. it all it all depends on your perspective so if you take that approach looking at murphy and styles uh way of coping with doing time you know murphy is like you know i've accepted where i am i've shut out the world I've, i don't have any aspirations whereas styles is still he's uh he still maintains connections to to outside the prison system and that that creates a wanting in him, and that wanting is what leads him to, you know, barter the sugar for the conjugal visit, and that's how that's what kind of sets off this prison economy ball of rolling. Yeah. It is the wanting of things that leads to that leads to anxiety. <laughs> Jen, be a, be a better Buddhist.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, and like this creates a lot of tension for the viewer right off the bat. Because, and I really like the way that this is all set up and a lot of it is like set up visually or like tim said with very little dialogue like you yeah kinda... it's, it's
1: very mundane like even just like get, here's your seeing their mail get delivered but the mail's what sets off you know the photo of the wife and the kid and it's what sets off the conjugal visit talk and and so on but but yeah go ahead
0: yeah it's like you like you understand like what's at stake um especially yeah. like if you know like you have a you have need of a resource that the white supremacist gang controls. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really dicey for Styles because, you know, the 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 black gang in the prison like doesn't they don't really like, you know, a brother like going they to They don't like, like a, the white
1: supremacists, yeah.
0: If you can believe it, I mean like yeah, they just very won't intolerant. get along. Um, yeah. <laughs> they really don't like a brother like going to the white gang for like anything. So Yeah,
1: because especially because well Styles is kind of a a hot commodity because he is a guy who, you know, in his own way is connected and can get stuff. So, you know, the black gang like they also want him and you know, they have their own designs where it's like, you know, we need to bring him into the fold, be like you can't be associating with these other guys. You know, you need to watch out for, you know, your own race while while in prison.
0: Yes. He doesn't understand the principle of solidarity.
1: right. yeah, because he he's kind of he and Murphy are similar uh, similarly trying to stay above the fray, but Styles dips his toe in and that like the unfortunate thing that he finds out is that you can't just like y- you can't just like have one transaction and be done with it. It is the same sort of I own your ass uh, notion. As happens to you know, James Conn in Thief, because it seems like oh, it's, you know, I do a job for you, okay, like you take some of the money, I get, I get some of the money, and we're done. But like that's not the way that you know the mob boss and thief wants it. It's like you work for me now and forever, mm-hmm. and that's the same. That's the same arrangement that uh, Doctor D, you know, Brian Dennehy. And that's what he uh, offers for uh, for Styles because Styles says, you know, I want I want to get a conjugal visit, and he's like, okay, yeah, it's done. And then, you know, later on, we'll ask something of you. Mm-hmm. And that that's where you know Styles is. He he's kind of um, in over his head at that point, despite him knowing he's like, I don't want this. Uh, you know, like you know, I'll owe you a favor. You know, kind of bullshit. It's it's like. This is a transaction, and that's the end of it. He's like, I'm not gonna get into, yeah, like he he's like, I don't want to get into this, you know, open-ended prison favor bullshit because Styles knows, as the viewer knows, like that's only ever gonna escalate, Mm -hmm. and it does. Like Styles ends up not getting anything that he that he asked for out of this. He 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 gets completely hosed by what seemed should what should have been a cut and dried arrangement, conjugal visit. For a bag of sugar, and that's it. But no, he ends up getting you know worked by the system because he chose to partake in it. I was you know, going to his say detriment.
0: that he gets fucked, but he doesn't get fucked.
1: No, he doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, so he's so he he makes the 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 fatal mistake of just dipping his toe into this economy, and it is it's kind of funny because it's like, isn't this Murphy's movie? Like we're spending an awful lot of time with Styles. Which I mean, I don't have a problem with. I like that it is sort of an ensemble story. You see that there are a lot of different moving parts and new events that come together. I mean, Murphy only gets elevated out of his routine because, like a a because a sports story editor mentions his findings to a uh, prison psychologist. I think.
0: Oh, that guy's like a prison psychologist because. Um... Because at first I was like, "Is this the warden or what?"
1: <clears throat> the warden's in there, but they're they're two different. Yeah, they're they're two different guys. The guy that he that he mostly talks with, I think, is the the psychologist.
0: I got you because like I was like, wow, you know, for a guy who works in a prison, like this guy is like very concerned with like the rehabilitation and well being of the inmates. Um, right. Yeah. Which I don't track. think is very common for, uh, you know, uh, prison staff. Um, yeah. Yeah, because um, the, the, the other thing which kicks the story into gear is the fact that, um, you know, Murphy isn't just a guy who, like, runs around the prison yard all day. He's actually, like, really fucking fast.
1: Yeah, he does, like, a four-minute mile, yeah. which, a, which the movie will will tell you. It's like, there are, like, five people in the world who can do that.
0: Yeah, like, that's insane. Um,
1: and so he and Styles like, they're upset from their routine by these two sort of opportunities. Styles, you know, he wants he wants something which means he has to deal mm-hmm. and then you know Murphy he doesn't want anything but there are forces at work being like hey come on we can offer you something Yeah, which he resists the call to because he has his you know zen you know even keel nothing ever changes routine and that's how he does his time
0: yeah and but you know the flaw in the ointment is that he's like fast enough that he could potentially go to the Olympics which is why like um the prison staff are uh, very concerned with getting him to qualify, and that's what kind of sets the whole thing in motion. Um, I didn't realize that, like, sports was, like, this important in, like, a prison situation. but And it's, it's kind of interesting, like, how, um, you know, the inmates get, like, moved around like chess pieces in a way, like, to serve someone else's yeah. need, which is, like, kind of another, like, that's like a whole other dimension to the um, kind of the forces of power that are at play in this whole story. Yeah. Like everybody is like, you know, apart from Murphy, everybody's trying to get leverage over everybody else.
1: Yeah. Everyone wants some, something and everyone is trying to leverage the power that they have in order to get it. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, um, you know, like, like we mentioned, styles gets, uh, you know, he gets hosed on his conjugal visit. Because he's out there waiting to meet his wife, and this woman sits down, who is not his wife. <sighs> she is a drug mule for Doctor D, and Styles has just been made sort of an unwitting accomplice in his, uh, in Doctor D's, you know, drug trade,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is like. Uh, so he didn't get anything out of the deal. He doesn't get to meet his wife. You know, it was just a simple transaction: trade some sugar for some sugar (laughs) and uh but but yeah he like goes this conjugal visit that isn't the one that he wanted and it's him getting drawn deeper into what dr d wants of him which of course as an individual doesn't want any part of this as a typical typical you know michael Mann uh protagonist trait like he he flips out like he doesn't want to have any part of you know working for someone which I think we can all relate to
0: this. Is like, and this is really wrenching too. Like, this scene. This is kind of like the first big. This is the first big heartbreak of the film, in which there are many. Where to see this man, like, kind of like, like, robbed of seeing his wife and child.
1: Yeah, it. His wife and child matter to him because this woman that shows up. It is just you know we go to the conjugal visit trailer and you know whatever I pass some drugs over to you, and then you sneak them in, and then that's that, you know, get a little ooh-la-la, whatever. But he's like, I don't want to fuck this random woman. Yeah. I want to fuck my wife.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, the, you know, it's this uh, prisoner with principles that, you know, he stands by his principles to his detriment, as is befitting a Michael Mann character. Yes. So, so yeah, and that, uh, that causes things to unravel for Styles because- It is, you know, after that, the the guards figure that something's up. She gets picked up, um, you know, on a drug charge. That, uh, and the you know heightened security means that Doctor D's drug supply has um, has dried up. So he has no leverage inside the prison. Mm -hmm. And for that, they they kill Styles. He gets shanked. Yeah, and uh, and Murphy sees what's coming. Like he knows that, you know, he's uh you know, cross Doctor D and that's gonna be a problem. So he advises him. He's like, get into solitary, get a transfer, and Styles listens to him, you know, first thing, first opportunity, you know, he's he's he is ready to up and go. But you know, the uh you know, Doctor D's gang, uh, you know, they, they lock uh Murphy in his cell so he's not there to, to back up his friend mm-hmm. and yeah, for that, uh Styles gets shanked. Yeah. Which is yeah, this is the you know, like the lesson here is that you know you can't just like you know dip your toe into these uh, you know these sort of mafia connections and then just like come out clean like it, it it doesn't work that way. They're gonna you know take you for all you've got. They're gonna use you for their own ends.
0: And this is another heartbreaking scene because you know um, you see Murphy coming too late to do anything about his yeah. friend getting killed and he comes across the body and, you know, just kind of slides to the ground and, you know, like, s- just, like, screams in rage because it's, it, like, everything in this world that he inhabits, it's also titanically unfair.
1: Right, yeah. It, it made me think of Gallipoli, of all things. I don't know why we keep uh, watching good movies about guys who run, but there it is. <laughs>
0: I haven't seen Gallipoli since I was like 15 or 16.
1: I um, I hadn't seen it until recently. And uh, yeah, this well-regarded movie is actually pretty emotionally affecting.
0: I was going to say, I remember it being pretty powerful though.
1: Yeah, so yeah. that's true. Uh, yeah, and it is uh, now, you know, Murphy's life is, you know, perturbed because, you know, he lost his friend. Not that he is ever vocal about it, but yeah, and and for that, you know, now he is, he is off balance, and that off balance is he had initially refused to, to run for the warden because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the warden is like, or maybe it's the, uh, you know, the psychologist there where it's like, we can do things for rehabilitation. They do have a, a little speech where they talk about, um, you know, this is a way to, you know, reconnect with the outside as a way to you know, rehabilitate prisoners and, you know, show that we're doing good for the community by... You know, having this, you know, reformed prisoner who can run really well and you know can get uh, qualified for the Olympics. Like they have the reasons for it. He doesn't want that because he he knows better than to aspire for anything. He's like, this is the rest of my life. It's just running in a circle.
0: Yeah, because the um, you know, the sticking point is like getting him furloughed to to qualify for this race, and yeah, which they they end up doing on the on the prison grounds later. But you know, it's the thought of getting out however briefly and then having to go back in, like which would kind of puncture yeah. this this you know this this bubble that he lives in.
1: Yeah, then and that is, you know, that reminds me of another um not well known prison movie that, you know, that's mentions that hope is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like don't give him the opportunity to return to a normal life. Like he knows better than to get involved with that until you know, Styles is killed and he wants revenge, you know, for that, and so he's like, okay, I'll run, but you gotta give me this.
0: Right, which is and, uh, uh, yeah. half an hour in the metal shop.
1: Yeah, yeah. He gets to <laughs> he gets to turn over the machine shop, and from there he finds uh the uh, White Supremacist gang's stash and he burns it in front of him.
0: Yeah, and um, which is I think like close to four thousand dollars that they've scrolled away. Mm. So it's not yeah, is... it's not a trivial thing. <laughs> and he's yeah. definitely and it's another great scene because like you know that he's taking his life in his hands by burning that shit in the middle of the prison yard. But right. that's another example of a you know, a typical Michael Mann character where it's like, My man, this is just gonna make your life a thousand times more difficult. But, you know, because of the principles that he's he holds, It's a man of principle, like, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's gonna make a point. Um and he does, <laughs> and things yeah. escalate from there. And it's a it's a great it's a great story.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's because there are people with power at all different levels, and they're trying to leverage that power for their own ends. It is, um, you know, the warden like he wants, you know, he wants Murphy to run because he wants to be able to say, you know, we uh, this Olympian came out of Folsom, mm-hmm. um, and but for that, you know, he needs the track. And, you know, they need a track graded and, um, you know, up to spec in, like, four days. And it's like, okay, well, he can leverage, you know, he can dangle the carrot in front of the prisoners and be like, okay, well, get out there and and build me a track, basically. But then, you know, Dr. D is like, no, we're doing a boycott because he's got it in for for Murphy now.
0: Yes, but because he's a low-down, no-good snake, he... Tells a lot of lies to make this happen um, Right yeah And he manipulates the prisoners Like for his own ends Um You know like he He tells the, the black gang That uh How does he put it like Um Styles was trying to go into business for himself or something like that
1: Uh I, f- I forget the specifics But uh but but when Dr. D talked to Cotton Crown, uh he pinned uh Styles aspirations on Lickety Split. Which is, which is the what nickname they, for they Murphy, Murphy. <laughs> Yeah. So oh, right. yeah, he's right, basically right, right, like right, right,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, which is so um, he, and that was um and you know, as you're watching this, like you're almost yelling at the screen because you're like you're like that is bullshit. Like, you know, Lickety Split, like Murphy, is not like trying to get a piece of the action. It's, like, not his character.
1: Yeah. You know? But he's also the guy who, like, you know, no one's owed to any... Uh, no one owes anything to, neither By- Byron or Beggar B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Yeah, like, so he's a guy that is... He's is—he's—he's a non-entity, so it's like, yeah, go beat up this guy. It doesn't affect me at all.
0: Yeah, and... Um,
1: so it's easy to pin things on him because he's not worth anything to anyone else.
0: Yeah, and... um. You know this the scene where uh like Cotton goes to confront him like uh I don't know if they're in, they're in the middle shop again or the laundry or what but laundry yeah. yeah and he just starts like you know beating the shit out of him and Murphy won't stay down and, Yeah,
1: he's got that same tenacity as he does as a long distance runner.
0: Yeah, because he knows that you know, he figures it out. He's like you know, they you know, they lied on you like you know styles didn't do any of that shit i wasn't going into business for myself yeah like and the thing that gets uh, cotton's attention is when he's like you know he um he tells because yeah, even
1: as he's walking away they're like hey you know your man's not letting you leave yet
0: yeah and he's like and you know he's just been like rocked he's like bleeding he's probably been punched in the stomach and face like 27 times
1: yeah, he has the physique of a runner, not a bodybuilder like uh, right. TC here.
0: Yeah, and like um, props to Peter Stress, who plays uh, who plays Murphy, who was um, still with us and has cut out a very long career in television. Um, he is a hundred percent believable as like this single-minded athlete. You know, he's got like the 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 lean physique. Um mm-hmm. Just the look of a distance runner, and you know he's going up against this guy who's like much bigger and stronger than he is, but he's just like, you know you disrespected my friend, and the moment when he admits he says you know that Styles was his friend is like a really powerful moment,
1: yeah, he tells him you badmouth my brother,
0: yeah, he was my brother,
1: yeah, so yeah that um that redeems him in. You know Kyle and and Cotton and you know like the the Blacking's eyes, which is, which turn things around. It is you know the one connection that Murphy makes. You know is, it is the one piece of leverage that he had to you know the rest of the social group. You know that he he cashes that chip in, I guess, because you know Murphy up until now like he he's an island. You know he he doesn't have any visitors. He doesn't have any family. He doesn't have a job. You know in the prison like he's he's just this inert, you know, mass. He's this grey rock. Um but but yeah, at this point, you know, he's able to leverage that and that begins to turn things around where uh you know Cotton is able to, you know, make an alliance with the uh you know with the Mexican mafia and that's they're able, able to break the strike that um you know, that the uh, uh, that the Nazis have, you know, preventing anyone from actually building this track so so Murphy can race. And by break the strike, I mean um, they they stabbed the guy in the eye. Uh,
0: and, <laughs> and I think, um, I, th- I think, uh, like, and and one of the white gang members uh, also, I think, gets killed, and uh, he's played by Richard Mall, who would go on to play Bull on Night Court.
1: Oh hell yeah! Yeah, great. <laughs>
0: Because I remember when I watched it, the first time I watched the movie, I was like, "Is that Richard Mole?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and apparently some of the other um, uh, actors or at least background players, you know, were actual inmates. So that was a good get for uh, for man, right? Good because um,
0: this was actually shot on location at Folsom. They mixed like actual inmates into the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting cast member one of the one of the um, mexican gang members is played by uh miguel pinero who um wrote the well-known play short eyes which was a very brutal play about uh prison life um and was kind of known as like you know being like in the vanguard of like the the new York um kind of literary movement in the 70s uh -hmm. and uh Had a short life, died in, I think, 1988 of cirrhosis, which is kind of sad. Um, But I think it's illustrative of the trend with people who live these kinds of lives, people who end up, like, uh, you know, getting caught up in the justice system. Again, it's like these are traumatized people, and they make poor decisions, they self-medicate,
1: Right, yeah, they wouldn't be there in the first place if they had maybe more resources available to them. them. And that's something that, you know, Murphy mentions in the movie, like, you you know, he talks about him and his dad, like, you know, they're not exactly plugged into shrinks.
0: Right, because the (laughs) the psychologist very naively asked him, like, you know, did you ever try to get your dad help?
1: Yeah. And. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And
1: it is something that I remember from. uh, Men will
0: literally um, go to prison or die of alcoholism (laughs) instead of getting therapy.
1: Right. Yeah, that reminds me, Jeez, uh, it was a book that I read like 20 years ago, so I can't remember the name or the author, but it was about uh, that one woman who goes to like lives a man for a, a period of time. And one of the things that was poignant that I remembered was, you know, she, she joins a bowling league, and one of the guys there is basically an alcoholic. He's drinking himself to death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, you know, compassionately, you know, as one of the, the dudes from the bowling league is like, Sup bro, why don't you quit drinking? You know you're only killing yourself with this. Why don't you like take better care of yourself? But from his point of view, he's like, my life is complete garbage. Why would I want to take away the one thing that gives me like relief from all this, mm-hmm. you know, awfulness? So yeah, it's it's people with a, a lack of options are just kind of reacting to the plight you know the the bad hand that they've been dealt
0: and that's what's so intensely frustrating and it comes across in this film i think which is one reason why i like it so much is you really get the feel of you know the the lives of desperate people Mm -hmm. and why they do the things that they do because often like they don't have other options and or without um and without casting people who are people who go to prison or people who are drug users or whatever without saying like oh no these people are evil oh no these people are saints Mm
1: -hmm. you know
0: these are just human beings and when you remove options from people it makes it more difficult for them to make the correct choices. And I think this is a thing that we forget a lot. Um, and why our society is generally like more punitive than rehabilitative towards these people. Right.
1: Yeah. Because it, it, it requires an understanding of nuance and context, which you can't really quantify. So people are like,
0: fuck, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, um, in, in, in fact, I'll proudly say it. I, I kicked off, um, a ratioing on Twitter, I think uh, myself and some other people, because there was a there was a tweet from a, uh, an organization purporting to be about recovery from drug abuse, but they posted a picture of someone like injecting heroin in like a a, a safe injection facility, like with you right, know with yeah. a staff member there, and they were like, oh, do you think this is helping or do you think it's enabling? And me being me, I quote tweeted and I was like, well, obviously it's helping because that's a fucking point, you fucking ghouls. And then next <laughs> thing I know, people were in the replies saying like, yeah, this is this is helping. Like what? What?
1: Yeah, it's like they're they're going to do it anyway. You may as well like facilitate or like ease their pain, you know, it, treat it like palliative care. It's like this person's going to die anyway. Why are we helping? Them?
0: Yeah, because that's the thing. And there's almost a feel like with especially with like the uglier replies that you get to Mm -hmm. a photo like this where it's like you feel like they would almost rather that these people die and that's the that's the you know that's the same feel that you get when in like conversations about homelessness about like drug addiction stuff like that where it's like oh well you know if we don't like just Warehouse these people or let them die. They're going to come into our communities and and wreck it. You know never there's the rub. Never mind that a lot of these people already are in your communities and struggling. And like yes, a lot of times, um, you know, again, like these people will hurt the people around them with their their drug use. Like I don't I don't want to sugarcoat it either. Like this can be a really awful thing for families. And you know to have a parent who's using instead of parenting or like to have a son or a daughter who is using like to their detriment. But, you know, it begs the question like, okay, well, what good does it do if that person dies? Because right, you know, we wanted to take this like uh scared straight like cold turkey approach. Um right, and they yeah. used um because there are no safe injection sites, they reused needles and they fucking got HIV. Or died to right, yeah, infection. It just, it,
1: yeah, it just compounds the problem rather than preventing it from getting worse. Right, um, and I think
0: like deep down for a lot of people, like they're like they're feeling is good, you know, because they've already compartmentalized these people as like human garbage, basically.
1: Right. Yeah, and um, we can uh, tie that back into the movie even um, because uh, you know we talk about you know, Murphy's sort of uh, internalized guilt because. Um, what we do, uh, what 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 we see in the beginning is there uh, There are a lot of, um, there's a lot of information given to us that we don't understand the context of. Mm-hmm. One of the things being that we know, uh, you know, we know Murphy is in prison, but we don't know why. Then we do know it's, it's because he's in there for murder. Murder one. Murder one. And, you know, we learned that he's, you know, in there on a life sentence. So there's no hope of him ever leaving. But we don't find out until, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie who even killed. So it is this unanswered question like, you know, who did who did Murphy murder and why did that make him like this? And eventually we do get to it where, you know, the the prison psychologist is, you know, he just straight up asked him, you know, what was killing your father about?
0: (laughs) Which is honestly like such an awkward conversation if you've ever had to have it.
1: I mean, well, I don't know if it would be so awkward if I asked you, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, like I, uh, I shortened his life by being a leftist, like all his other daughters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just a drain, it's just dra- a drag on society. <laughs> you don't produce anything. Um, yeah, so so Murphy's, you know, response is, you know, coming from a limited uh, number of choices, he. He saw, you know, what his dad was, was doing. You know, he was abusing his stepsister and you know, he reacted accordingly. He didn't, you know, have the wherewithal or, you know, the resources to uh to to, to mount a, you know, complex, nuanced uh intervention. He just killed the guy. He shot him but he, he shot him a lot. So clearly there were other things at play there, and that's that's how he got the murder one rap. Yeah,
0: and this is so well, this is so good because, like, it throws one thing into kind of sharp uh, focus for me, which is that, okay, like, if you've ever been on social media and the topic of...
1: Uh, I do not recommend it, by
0: the way. <laughs> the topic of child abuse or, um, worse, like, incest, which I think is what was happening in this case. Like, this, the father was raping his daughter right how many times on social media have you seen people being like you know tough guy and being like, oh yeah like just give me five minutes in a room with this guy or like i don't understand why we don't just like fucking kill these people um
1: yeah and even now like in hindsight it's like hey would you intervene to prevent uh your younger sibling from being abused by an adult be like yes, I fucking would. Like, he's still a man of principle. Like, you know, that that flawed, um, you know, that, that that tragic heroic trait of, you know, so many um, Michael Mann characters where it's like, yes, I would still, you know, take this one decisive action to my own detriment because that is what I believe.
0: Yeah, and um, in real life, this often does happen in cases of really severe abuse. It, um, not just with, uh children killing a parent or guardian who's abusing them but also um, women in a domestic violence situation frequently women who kill their husbands have been abused for years on end and they actually tend to get and this is factually true they tend to get harsher sentences than men who kill their female partners
1: Well hey I mean if you ever had a girlfriend. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs>
0: Right. So,
1: yeah, domestic abuse is a serious issue.
0: Ah, so nice. All you can do is laugh. Am I right? But um, no. But it's 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 actually true. And it is funny how um, you know, when people, again, people who are desperate and driven to these extremes, when they do like the only thing that they can do with the hand they've been dealt, then they get locked up for it.
1: Right. Yeah. And and really, it is the the difficulty here is that they're trying to you know rehabilitate him by by coaching him to be like hey if you were presented with this situation would you do it again and the situation as presented is like if you knew someone was being abused and you could do so- something to stop it would you not intervene like that's that's being rehabilitated like to to murphy's eyes like no like you're damn right <laughs> like murphy would do the same thing again because he's Protecting, you know, his little sister.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and so, yeah. He. That's the. That's the. I think that's like the final big heartbreak of the movie is that scene specifically where this comes in. Right.
1: Out. Yeah. Well, the heartbreak of that is uh is similar to um you know the I I the what is probably the the biggest if not you know the final gut punch um from Breaking Bad. Uh, sorry, spoilers on a show that's been off the air for six years um but you know it is uh, again with also with these fucking nazis everywhere it's the, <laughs> i think they're the baddies um but you know the um you know the the white supremacist gang in breaking bad where you know they have a uh confrontation with uh you know um hank uh um you know walter's uh brother-in-law and you know uh you know, Walt is trying to like reason with the guy being like, you know, don't kill Hank, you know, my DEA stepbrother, you know, let him go. We can resolve this. I'll give you money, whatever. But, you know, Hank is, uh, he's, he has a more astute appraisal of the situation, which is just, you know, Walt, you're the smartest guy that I know, but even you can't see that he already made up his mind 10 minutes ago. <laughs> like, you know, Hank knows that, he's gotten into a situation that he is not getting out of. And it is the same thing that, that Murphy experiences in, you know, in one of the, the closing scenes of this where, you know, he's qualified. He's ran his like three minute 56 second mile, which is, you know, insane. And, you know, the warden is, you know, on the cusp of getting what he wants. He's like, this guy is Olympic material. He's qualified. Um, You know, we can, we can get him on an Olympic team. But it is the same argument that Jen was making earlier about, you know, these these deplorables in needle exchanges. There is no way that the Olympics committee is going to allow an ex con onto one of their teams.
0: Which is very, very fucking funny if you know anything about the people who run the Olympics.
1: I'm just gonna walk away for ten minutes and let you continue that thought
0: <laughs> I won't um I won't belabor the point. I would I'll just recommend following No Olympics LA on Twitter.
1: <laughs> for real. Yeah, we don't need an Olympics. Um but yeah, the and and that is you know, the the guy from the Olympics committee is you know needling Murphy about it, like trying to get him to say, you know, are you rehabilitated? You know, would you if you were presented with a situation again, would you do it? Oh God. No. I just like, do it? Oh, I hate you know. this guy.
0: Yeah. This scene and- is so great. And it parallels the scene in, um, in thief where uh, James Kahn is trying to adopt a kid with uh, Tuesday. Weld, his wife. And it's kind of the same yeah. situation. It's like, you know, like they're not, they're not going to let you adopt a child. Like they're not going to let you into polite society. You are already marked like right. no matter yeah, how exactly sincere your efforts to follow the straight and narrow like yeah. you already ha- you already have the mark on you they're not going to let you do it and you know like murphy says in the scene he says you know when you when you had breakfast this morning you made up your mind yeah. and he's right yeah
1: exactly yeah so you know there's a a a, a tween you know breaking bad writer you know sucking their thumb or whatever (laughs) watching Jericho mile on TV. And it's like, I'm going to use that in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to steal that idea. That's great. And you see that there is still, you know, like there's a parallel, um, you know, power play here of, you know, the Olympics committee and, you know, even like Dr. D's, uh, uh, gang and his, his economy where it's like, we just need to know if you will play ball. Mm -hmm. Like, will you let us use you as a pawn in our game or not? And, you know, Murphy, whether it is, you know, the short sightedness of, you know, of, of a convict or whether it is him, you know, adhering to his principles. Yeah. Like you say, like he, he says, no, like he, he gives tell to the lie. He's like, you already decided that I'm not going to be part of your Olympic team. What's the point of this, of this charade. He doesn't use that word, but, you know, what? what is the point of this? Like, you've already made up your mind. Like Jen said, you're not going to let me into polite society because I'm already tainted.
0: Yeah, and, like, this is, um, it, like, it kind of, shit, and I don't even remember the episode because it's been so long since I watched this fucking show, but this was the kind of thing that they would do on, um, and indulge me for a minute, Tim, because I know you, you don't care for police procedurals, but back when Law & Order Special Victims Unit was actually, like, a decent network tv show before it
1: yeah as opposed to the mundane victims unit where they're like i don't know solve it or don't (laughs)
0: um but uh when that show was reasonably well written and not just like uh, you know it just went off the rails in the later seasons but um you would uh like i distinctly remember an episode where like i you know like benson tried to help some guy who was a, a a repeat offender like a long time Convict. I th- it was something to do with like getting like getting custody of his child and you know, man, if he can just like keep it together long enough to do this. But oh no, like and you know, this is the kind of thing that um I think a lot of people would say, like, oh well, you know, that person's just a criminal, which is why like, you know, they're just they're just incapable of like straightening out your flame right.
1: Yeah. He he's as racist as, as a baby, just born that way.
0: <laughs> but You know, in a lot of... That joke's going to (laughs) age, But in a lot of cases, um, uh, and this is something which, like, I think about a lot as someone with an executive function disorder. Like, if you, because of, like, circumstances of birth, trauma, chemicals, whatever, like, you are, you tend to make poor or hasty decisions it's like you know things probably aren't going to go too well for you and it's easy to say like oh well he's a fuck up but it's like well why is that person a fuck up like you know if you take a look at murphy um obviously grew up in a household with a violent alcoholic rapist so
1: yeah he has a a very uh simplified worldview right which is like I killed someone ergo I belong here and that's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, and you know like I'm guessing that his dad wasn't uh definitely wasn't parent of the year to his daughter, uh probably not parent of the year to his son either in spite of um and there's a nice scene where um for Peter Strauss where he uh Murphy has some reminisces about like an, a good time with his father. Um, you know, going right. to a carnival or whatever.
1: Yeah, he didn't hate the man, but he's like, you know, you're an abusive pederast. Yeah. You can't have that.
0: Which, again, it's nice because it's like a lot of times these people who do monstrous things are not actually monsters. Um, they will often be generous or kind to some people and absolutely brutal to others. Uh, there's that right, nuance yeah, he... you keep talking about again, Tim.
1: <laughs> I know. It's a problem. We need to do away with it. 100%. <laughs>
0: Um, so I guess like, I like, I, I do tend to like stories where, um, you know, about the fuck ups, <laughs> like people who don't always make the wise decisions, which, uh, you know, is kind of at odds with the media climate of today, which Tim mentioned earlier, where it's like, no, we want kind of like aspirational heroic figures who are always going to make the right decision. Um,
1: yeah, but it's, it's really, you get more out of a story about. You know, a, a character overcoming the odds or you go going the distance, speaking of, of long distance running, uh, of, of trying to make their way by you know navigating a, a suboptimal uh experience, or
0: right, yeah, and it's like, um, I think, and I talked about this during the Keep episode, like the, the uh, James Con's character in Thief, like, I actually don't find likable at all he's like a you know very abrasive guy but you identify with him in his frustration and rage and his desire to kind of carve out a better life from himself from his like ill-gotten gains like it's the same thing with with murphy like when they're meeting with the with the smug asshole from the olympic committee who you mm. know hasn't seen any of you know, like, the training that Murphy's been through, like, has no idea, like, what his life has been like, what it's like to be inside, to be a lifer, um, mm-hmm. and can just, like, snap his fingers and just be like, no, sorry, you don't, you don't get what you've worked for, like, all this time, um, like, just,
1: yeah, it's like, oh, what's this gap on your resume? <laughs> I experienced that a number of times.
0: Um, to see him lash out, well, you know, at the same, like, Sitting at home watching you're like no 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 What are you doing but you're like god What would I do in that situation I'd be Just fucking pissed off
1: Yeah or like what is he supposed to be like Yeah I suppose that's fair and just like Kind of <laughs> you know walk away like you know Shoulders slumped like he, he's Pointing out like the lie of all this you know Polite society
0: yeah and like The fact that um
1: And that you know that's his transgression Is that you know whether it is You know lashing out the you know Olympics, Olympics Committee member or it's, you know, cutting the Gordian knot of, you know, shooting his father. Mm-hmm. It is like this is a direct solution to a problem that, you know, maybe, um, maybe there are other ways to go about it. Or maybe it's a problem that just isn't going to be dealt with because, you know, that just simply isn't done.
0: Yeah, because and how much how much abuse like that happens in our daily lives because people can't access the proper channels or the proper channels are fucked i mean there's a reason why a lot of victims don't report their sexual assaults because we all know how warm and accommodating cops are towards victims of sexual assault
1: (laughs) right yeah i mean it's like oh you got to fill out all this paperwork and then take it to court and then you know maybe like if you have money for a jury trial then you know 12 people be like i don't know yeah but no yeah Eh." and then and you're just like or i could just shoot them and be done with it
0: yeah and as murphy said earlier he's like you know my family wasn't really plugged in with the shrinks it's like yeah um and it should be noted and i'm assuming that this happened when um he was much younger maybe even a teenager um the awkward thing that people don't like to confront about a lot of abuse and specifically like child sexual abuse is that often when kids report they are not believed yeah so yeah
1: there's that too yeah it's so like what was murphy gonna do like institutions won't save you right
0: exactly so like who's he gonna go to and say like yeah like my father is raping my sister like you know probably he would be and you know i Maybe he was a little bit of a juvenile delinquent because he came from this chaotic upbringing. Like, who's going to listen to him?
1: Right. Yeah. He, you know, he was in a difficult uh, situation and he made a difficult decision, which is why the recurring musical motif is sort of this, um, like bongo cover of "Sympathy for the Devil."
0: Yeah. Which is um, the the music is by Jimmy Haskell, who I believe also wrote um, music for many other features like uh, Airplane um and in fact he yeah
1: that's also a, a Todd emotional thriller yeah
0: and he's got a he when i was i was looking into his uh filmography i noticed he did credit on the matrix huh and that's because he wrote some music for he wrote music for Knight of the Lepus and they used to cut from Knight of the Lepus in <laughs> the matrix
1: damn
0: so um that's
1: a deep cut yeah
0: so it's not uh like jagger richards isn't credited on it but it sounds a hell of a lot like sympathy for the devil and it's like this really propulsive theme which has been stuck in my head all day
1: yeah woo, woo. yeah, so, yeah <laughs> woo, it's it's woo. short of short of that
0: woo, woo. Woo, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so so short of that it is just like it is just a hair's breadth away you know it's, it's on the tip of your tongue you're like i know i know this theme but i have to go to wikipedia and look it up
0: well (laughs) and the first time i watched this um uh and by the way it is readily available on youtube and archive.org there is also a 2018 dvd from kino lorber um not a dvd a blu-ray a very nice transfer so uh that can also be gotten um but i would recommend seeing this any way you can because it is a really interesting and affecting entry in michael mann's filmography um yeah
1: you see a lot of the the tropes that he gravitates to the ones that i think resonate about these imperfect characters overcoming adversity or even just like coping with it or you know what happened it's it's the um uh aphorism that i think i used for for thief which is you know it's when the um, unstoppable force meets the immovable object like what happens like I think that seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of uh, a, a lot of men's um, central characters
0: right like um, you know Russell Crowe's character in the insider going up against big tobacco um, yes you have um, collateral where um, you have Jamie Fox's cab driver like put in a completely untenable situation by Tom Cruise's hitman and is mm-hmm. stymied at every turn uh you know when he tries to do the right thing um uh, yeah
1: and and not uh not michael Mann, but i mean uh it was also what resonated with me about you know say like you know the wrestler or black swan i mean yeah it is uh you know whether you know whether Murphy, you know wins or loses you know you know that he gave his all and it's the same thing with you know with uh with Ram and uh and the wrestler,
0: right? And um, I think we've talked uh many times, not on the show but off mic about how um, like Aronofsky seems to be interested in kind of these uh, notions of of bodily mortification, which I think is why um you know of course there's the wrestler because as we all know like pro wrestling is one of the most brutal professions that you can go into and then he did a lady wrestler which is black swan because (laughs) ballet
1: which is the second most grueling uh performance art you can go into well
0: you know it's no joke like ballet is absolutely fucking brutal on the body like I my
1: well the feet at least
0: yeah my god my my half sister did it for many years and like her feet when she was dancing. were are just, just like bricks. Uh, well, like just like gnarled like an old tree. Like oh my god! Like how do you walk? That looks horrible. Yeah, and it's
1: not the years; it's the mileage. Yeah,
0: and it's not. And you know, she used to talk about how like, uh, uh, you know, basically like a lot of dancers live on like you know cocaine, coffee, and cigarettes. And
1: cigarettes, yeah. Um,
0: so kind of the same thing. Um, and there is sort of I don't want to say like a masochism, to. Distance running, but I don't know. Maybe we can say it. Um, because it is like, uh, you know, running in a lot of ways is uniquely solitary. Um, yeah, it has a lot to do with like mental toughness. Um, especially when you're pushing for distances. Um, shit, you know, Murphy would have been a great ultra marathoner if only they'd followed him.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah we hadn't even talked about the bleeding nipples or the diarrhea
0: <laughs> yeah and um i got into running in my 20s and uh it was And you
1: have fallen out of running since then Woof.
0: Ugh, yeah i uh i uh i fell right into a big carton of ice cream um <laughs>
1: <laughs> crawl into a carton of ice cream and never left
0: yeah um
1: that's what it's like kids and a
0: lot of times it was brutal like, especially like you know running hills which is fucking punishing but then you get to the top of the hill and you're like fuck yeah fuck you hill yeah like a million dollars and it feels so good and you know you get that from murphy and peter strauss's performance where and man portrays these really well because you get a lot of long lens shots of Murphy running and you see the effort in his entire body and you know his body is like so lean and taut and you see the moments when he's putting in the extra effort like in his qualifying race when he Mm -hmm. has to you know like uh the the other uh really talented amateur runner that they've put him up against like makes a play for first and he has to put in like that much more effort to get out ahead of him like you just see it like etched into his body and yeah just straining yeah and you know there's like slow motion shots of him putting in like the the maximal effort like all the um you know they're the like tendons and next standing shots, out and like, like frontally his muscles just of like the like runners which compresses the really space and you know you everybody's like kind of on the same plane and it puts like that much more urgency to it where it's like you can't tell who's out ahead but you see like the effort of the runners. Um I wonder if Michael Mann ever was a runner.
1: I don't know. I mean there's another um uh geez. There's an another movie that uh, that was on B Movie TV about a runner and it had um what's his name? Dick Jones. Mm. I'm, he was in it.
0: I'm not familiar.
1: Uh <laughs> the actor from Robocop. Oh, uh, you, okay, you were- yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't be familiar with it because it is again like it is. Uh, Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Yeah, it's him. He's a long distance Ronnie runner. Ronnie Cox he goes of out. Loose
0: Cannons. Y-
1: yeah, exactly the same actor. <laughs> this is what got him that starring role. It is uh yeah it's Ronnie Cox and like his two boys and like they go out cross country running and it, again <laughs> for a common theme here. Um, they meet up with a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, this uh you know uh white supremacist, supremacist militia that like hunts them for sport. Just like you know, nice. I I gotta say it, I don't know if anyone else knows, but I think America has a real Nazi problem.
0: <laughs> Why whatever would make you say that, Tim? I just you know living here.
1: I I wonder sometimes
0: <laughs> Oh, Jesus.
1: You, you, yeah, there are times you can't even go to prison or go cross-country running without meeting a bunch of fucking Nazis. Fuck, man. Yeah. Mm. Or, yeah. Sometimes you can't even visit our nation's capital. Next week, uh,
0: Salon Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> but where were we? I believe I was talking about... Um...
1: We're talking about the futility in all things and the acceptance of that is the only way that you achieve nirvana, I believe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about mortification of the body, um, but, you know, the body's impermanent, so don't sweat it too much. God, he made
1: loose cannons the same year he made Total Recall.
0: Damn. Man. Well, he got paid either way, so I hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter to him. Yeah. Uh, You know, he uh, cast a wide net. Um,
0: <laughs> but uh, oh, okay. Jericho it was cur-
1: yeah, it's courage from 1984,
0: which followed the Jesse Owens story. God, just people love running. Yeah, was it like a touchstone? Running combined with Nazis.
1: Yeah. Oh man, if they had something about running, like to or from Nazis.
0: <laughs> uh, ideally, yeah, away right from there. Nazis, right?
1: Well, running and then, you know, landing on one with your fist. (laughs) I know. Yeah. See, and again, like it's that same same problem as Murphy has. Like, you know, do you condone violence (laughs) punching a Nazi in the face?
0: I mean, I
1: it simply isn't done.
0: Personally, I don't condone violence except in extreme situations. I would think that uh, being confronted by Nazis would be a pretty extreme situation.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good excuse. And, you know, maybe, you know, like Murphy here, you know, he thought as a. Yeah, if he had his, um, you know, his dad was uh, was raping his stepsister. Like, yeah, I could see that being a situation where he's like, yeah, you you understand? You have sympathy for the devil, if you will.
0: <laughs> woo woo. Yeah woo
1: um, woo. Yeah, and and at the end, you know, he uh, you know Murphy runs like a three fifty two mile. Meanwhile, on the radio, you got fucking Frank Davies qualifying for the olympics and you know i'm just gonna say like fuck frank davies like he doesn't even appear in this movie but but fuck that guy
0: yeah because uh you know frank davies um, where do you get off (laughs) yeah murphy has lost his shot at the olympics in in the meeting um and he's back to his regular routine and life in the in the prison yard has returned to its normal course because, you know, briefly to get the back to, to get, the status quo to get the track built, there was briefly an alliance between the black gang and the Mexican gang. Um, mm-hmm. that's no longer the case. You see that, uh, kind of like the you know, the black gang is like still they're back to running uh, the weight area. You know, they they yeah, another guy,
1: white dude shows up to get like swole with them and they're like, he's keep, like keep moving, get lost, buddy. Sucker. Yeah, it's just like ah oh, damn.
0: Yeah. Um but I just want to work out. What briefly brings them together again is Murphy's efforts to time himself to see how he would have done against Frank Davis. Because yeah. people see him running flat out and they all start gathering Davis. to see him do it. And yeah, he and does it. Yeah. He beats Frank Davis's time. He could have qualified. He would have beaten him. Yeah. But he smashes the stopwatch because he's a lifer.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, time God. time has no meaning to him. Like it's you know, I you're here forever. I,
0: watching this a second time, I cried when he qualified and like all the inmates like you know pick him up and then he meets eyes with the other runner and just kind of like mm-hmm. this nod goes between them because the guy's like, yeah, I've been beaten, but like I've been beaten by the best, you right. know, and. Everybody just coming together to celebrate this this loner, and then again at the end of the movie, like his quixotic last run is it's a really powerful moment. And this again, this was a TV movie, and it's a cut. <laughs> yeah,
1: they packed a lot.
0: It is a cut above <laughs> the average. Like, yeah. um, I I mean, I wanted to say the average like seventies TV movie, but I mean.
1: Oh, like the, the airport seventy five or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then uh much earlier episodes, um, you know, we talked about um a very early episode. Um we had our friend Paul Jay on to talk about uh the Paul Lind Halloween special. So
1: mm-hmm. I also cut above. Uh,
0: well, we know how bad like TV <laughs>
1: Big slice of cheese. got
0: in the seventies. And it wasn't as though there weren't interesting things on television television then. Um there was uh I think a move towards uh, covering social problems on television, um, you know, and you also had like the the, the after school specials and stuff like that, which were earnest efforts to kind of uh, grapple with troublesome subjects, uh, alcoholism, drug use, abuse, rape, all. The-
1: yeah, we didn't have Twitter for people to ratio
0: on or whatever. <laughs> um, but... All that said, uh, Jericho Mile really stands out in the field of American television films because uh, I feel like, the uh, based on a lot of what we've talked about on the show, the British have a little bit of the edge on us mm-hmm. for that. There are a lot of absolutely superlative British telefilms. And um, from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um hey going on into the 90s you know we talked about ghost watch uh from 1992 which is just a fantastic television special um and i think in the united states like we were certainly capable of reaching those heights we just didn't reach them as as often and the jericho mile is a great example of like the heights that you can achieve um and it was extremely well reviewed at the time like tim mentioned it won three emmys um reviewers said like hey this could have been a theatrical feature it's that fucking good um i think it was the it was in the top 10 like most watched um programs of that week uh when it aired um and it did eventually make its home video and like i said it's on that very very nice kino lorber blu-ray dvd which is absolutely worth your time
1: And if you're doing a life stint in Folsom, then you got all the time in the world.
0: <laughs> but I'm sure they're like, uh, you know, they got you over a barrel on uh, canteen money and they're probably charging you to to talk oh, yeah, via yeah. teleconference they... to your loved ones if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, but
1: yeah, they get you coming in going.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know that we have time to cover all the, the evils of the the carceral state in the United, yeah, the United States. Yeah, that and the
1: Olympics. I wondered if I was going to be able to get a word in in this episode.
0: <laughs> well, you know, maybe on a future episode we can do some, uh... oh, shit, you know. Damn. I actually would like to talk about Olympic documentaries on the show <laughs> now that I think about it.
1: <laughs> Find someone else.
0: <laughs> Come on, it's Great. interesting. Yeah. Um.
1: Maybe, I don't know.
0: But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the Jericho Mile. Do we have anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I really got the bit between my teeth, there.
1: Right. Yeah, no, like I, I've said all that I need to say. Like, I mean, I think that you know, we have a uh, a flawed, multifaceted character who we've seen in a lot of other movies that we covered. And the reason that we keep coming back to this kind of character is because, you know, they resonate. They are are relatable. People can understand complexities of what it is to be, You know, a human being in an uh, imperfect world.
0: Tim, how do you think you would do in prison? I am guessing not well.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Since (laughs) they can... Look, since you can have stuff sent to you, you can have books sent to you. Traveler is a book. You can get the core rule book, you can get the central supply catalog, (laughs) you know, High Guard. You can get all that sent to you. You can get, you know, the... The splat books from the eighties or the seventies sent to you—you know, as long as you've got, you know, a pencil and some dice, you can make an endless amount of adventures. You can run Deep Night Revelation—that's like a two-year campaign. Um, I don't know if you can have dice; like, maybe that's something that you gotta get. Um, I don't think dice are dangerous, but I mean, you really only need two d six. No, here's oh, here's a thought. Look, they'll let you play dominoes, right? I see that in in prison movies all the time. So, um, so you know, a dice has has two numbers on them, between one and six. There's your two d six. It doesn't have the equal uh, bell curve distribution as two dice would, but it is still suitably random, and you can use that as your dice. So, uh, there have been studies that you know, playing role playing games does help to rehabilitate prisoners because it is them you know working in a working problems out in a safe environment you know without consequences so if i can get you know three or four other people to play traveler with me i think i'd be set for life
0: and you actually might be able to get a group of people together because the other people yeah no one has work
1: yeah yeah Where? what are you gonna be busy doing
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like uh working in the kitchen for like five cents a day or whatever
1: yeah, yeah, I got to go stamp some license plates, or I got to make some go and make some Pruno because I'm having guests over.
0: Also, the other wrinkle is that uh, my understanding is that prisons have really cracked down on the literature accessible to prisoners. Um, there are a lot of books which are on the like not allowed list, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I don't. And if, I don't
1: think the tr- the. Mongoose Traveler second edition is on the banned books list.
0: Well, but... they might, they might be like, oh, it's too violent or something. I don't know. But, um, I don't know. Like, I'll just, I'll just tell our listeners to read, uh, We Do This Till We Free Us by, uh, Mariam Kaba, if you would like to know more about prison abolition or, uh, the book that, uh, Ted Cruz inadvertently made a bestseller this week, uh, The End of Policing by Alex S. Vital. Thanks, Ted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'll even play D and D. Like if it comes to it. <laughs> like I mean, that that is some hard time for me.
0: Woo woo.
1: Yeah. Woo woo. To have to play D and D. But
0: woo, woo woo. Woo Tim, to... woo. Woo woo. Tim, play the bongos. Woo woo. Woo
1: woo. I'll play the bongos on your head. <laughs>
0: You do that thing where you like spit up in the air and catch it in your mouth.
1: <laughs> I, Ugh. Gross. That's
0: so disgusting.
1: Yeah, I'm not a junior high kid or whatever the fuck.